It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. On November 30th, Georgia's First Lady Sandra Deal celebrated a milestone in her eight-year commitment to serving our state's youngest learners and their families. It was on that day that she visited her 1,000th school since Governor Deal took office in 2011. And Commissioner, that is just one of her many achievements. Yes, so Mrs. Deal has been a huge supporter of early learning through Georgia, specifically with DECAL, and it's really been an honor for me to get to travel with her all around the state and get to know her personally. She's really a lot of fun and has a lot of advice, but I thought it would be a great opportunity for our listeners to hear from Mrs. Deal one more time before um, she goes to relax. And, and Governor Deal goes to relax after their eight years of, of hard work for our state. Absolutely. We're honored to be here at the Governor's Mansion, actually, where Mrs. Deal has just completed a personal tour, yet another personal tour, uh, this time with our 2018-2019 Pre-K Teachers of the Year. Mrs. Deal, it's so good to have you with us today. Thank you very much. It's nice to have you. Now, you, yeah, I know, we're here in your house. That's kind of interesting. And you really love this place um, and love to talk about it. Why is that? Well, I think I had to learn the history of this place because I didn't really know it. And I wanted to be able to answer the questions that children would ask because having been a teacher, children ask lots of questions. And I felt like I needed to be knowledgeable if it was at all possible. And so I began to dig and look for sources for information. And, and you know, when you, when you learn the stories behind pieces of furniture or how the house came to be or um, even how the molding came to be in the house, it makes it have a little more personal touch. And, and so I think that's why people enjoy the visits here is to be able to not just look at a piece of wood or a piece of um, art, but to really feel and know a little bit of the personal um, commitment that brought that to fruition. Mm -hmm. You really see Georgia history through the architecture. You have stories about each administration and their kind of unique needs. And Um, things they did, which I think is interesting, the things they contributed to the mansion, the changes that they have made, and how they used it, and some of their guests, and things like that that they have told me. I think that gives a different perspective and a little bit enlarges your vision of how the house is used and why it's used. And, you know, you can imagine the children that have been here, little Amy Carter and and the Miller grandchildren and and all the little grandchildren that Mrs. Purdue had mm-hmm. and because she had a lot of them born after they moved in because they only had two when they moved in, I think, and left with 12 after eight years. Wow. And, of course, my grandchildren had all been born, but um, they were they were growing up, and they've grown up now my oldest ones my oldest one is in college and my youngest ones are in seventh grade and so after eight years I mean that's a lot of time (laughs) and they grow up and the stories are so good and and the joy that you receive from being involved in the activities that have gone on here is just really special 
Well, it's so much like a museum. So mm-hmm. how have you made it home over the last eight years? Or has it felt like home to you and the governor over the last eight years? I think pretty much it has become like home because um, home is kind of where the heart is, I guess. And, and since we've been together for 52 years, uh, having having uh, been here with him and, and for us to have shared the time together, it's been special. Although without a lot of activity of children, it's a little bit quiet because we're here at night alone, although during the day the house is full of noise and activity, and I love all that. Mm-hmm. So it does feel like home eventually. It has felt like home, right. uh, you know, for a while, mm-hmm. but we've moved several times, so, you know, it's not like we have to be permanent forever. Right. I want to go back a little bit to March 2010. Your husband is a well-respected congressman from Georgia. He announces he's running for governor. How did you feel about that? Well, I, I am one of these who believes if you feel the urge to do something, you, you have to evaluate it and decide if that's really something you want to do. And when he mentioned that people were trying to get him to run, And what did I think about it? I said, well, I think that's a decision you have to make, but if you decide you want to do it, I'll support you. Hmm. And I meant that, and I did that. And I didn't think about what was going to happen to me in the process, (laughs) but I do believe people have to follow the, the inner leadings of their heart. And I felt like he had the skill set, the experience, and the temperament to be a good governor, and we were at a point in time where um, our economy was in bad shape, and I didn't know if he could fix it, but I knew he had the right heart for fixing it if he could help. Mm-hmm. Well, he's done an amazing job, and it's been an honor to to work uh, with him and for him. Um, let's talk about, uh, I've heard you tell a story that when Governor Deal took office, you kind of said, I am not going to be one of those first ladies that sits around watching TV and eating bonbons or something. i, I got to have a, a platform. I need something to do. How did you land on literacy and early childhood education? Well, having been a teacher, that was something I, you know, I, I naturally gravitated toward because I was the oldest of four children and I had four of my own and my parents always took us to the library. We had always read and loved books. And and um, I just, I'm not a foodie. <laughs> I'm not one who likes to plan menus and read cookbooks and sit around and do tasting parties. <laughs> and I just said, I've got to have something to do that can make a difference. And so I started was invited to read in a couple of schools and and I just enjoyed it so much reading to the little ones. Now I was a sixth grade school teacher, not a first or kindergarten age teacher. But they would just get so wrapped into the story that I felt like I was really engaging them and getting them interested in in the necessity for them to do the work. And how important it was, because if Nathan was working on bringing jobs to Georgia, 
we needed an educated workforce, and we needed for them to get prepared so they could do the things that were necessary and have the educational background to train for things that would be available to help their themselves and their families have good jobs. And my theory is home folks first. You know, I wanted our own people to have the opportunities to have those jobs. And so I just started reading and to the different classes, first the ones I was invited to read to, and it didn't really matter what grade level. I visited with middle schoolers and high school and everybody. If they wanted me to come, I went. <laughs> and I would talk to them or I would read to them or I would answer questions, whatever they liked. But more and more, I thought sometimes we were going to places and we could probably find other schools in that area that I could visit and make our time count and get to more schools and expose more students to the need for them to work hard on education and just encourage them to do their part because that's their job is working hard as students. And, you know, it doesn't matter how hard the teacher works or how much your parents prepare you with the best book bags and, and the best pencils and things. If you don't use all of that material and apply yourself and study for yourself, then you're the one who is holding back the opportunity. And so I... I encourage children to make the decision to read and study and prepare themselves. They had to put some effort into it and listen in class and do their homework if they were asked to. And and as long, you know, and I read to them, and I tried to choose books that gave a reason for them to work hard. You and the governor have emphasized the importance of reading on grade level by the end of third grade. I think we all know that in Georgia that that's um, that is the milestone that that determines future success. But for you personally, why is that so important? Well, I taught sixth grade, as I said, and and you know they always said that third grade was the polishing year when you polished your skills, and fourth grade you started reading for yourself without the teacher having to help you so much and so when they got to me in sixth grade and they couldn't read and they struggled with calling words and knowing what the words meant and with sentence structure and running over the periods and the question marks it bothered me and I wanted them to be successful and so oftentimes I would read to my sixth grade students because I wanted them to understand and to hear the flow of the language and so I thought as much as I would love to be reading to sixth graders and middle schoolers I really needed to work with the younger ones so that I could encourage them to start right and build that foundation because just like in a building if you don't put a proper foundation then water might get under it and undermine it or the foundation may give way after a while termites can get in you just never know what will undermine that and so I felt like it was important to work with these young people and try to encourage them personally to take personal responsibility 
We mentioned at the open that you've made a thousand school visits in all 159 counties and all 181 public school districts. I'm just wondering from those years of visiting classrooms, have you heard any funny things from children at all? Oh, well, they always, uh, depending on the book that I'm reading sometimes, uh, you know, I would ask them what they wanted to be when they grew up. And, and you know, of course, they name over all the typical things, the policeman, the doctor, and lawyer, all that. And uh, one boy said, I want to be a garbage man and ride on the back of that big old truck. And I said, well, you know, we're going to need good garbage people because they would have our neighborhood smelling bad if they didn't work and pick up the garbage. And so they're very important. But you need to be able to read and do math because you're going to need to send bills to those people. But you also have to know where to go to pick up their garbage. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for you to have that reading skill even to be a garbage man. I love that. That's perfect. (laughs) Encouraging and so too, true. And to so true. Yeah. So you have been to a lot of classrooms and talked to a lot of children, and they love seeing you. But tell us about what you think the biggest impact a pre-K teacher has on a child's life. Well, I think that pre-K teachers have to be special. I don't know that I could do it on a regular basis all the time, but a pre-K teacher teaches the child a little self-discipline because they have to learn to be responsible for themselves, getting their jackets and getting their, um, bringing their lunch or, or sitting down to serve themselves or, or however they do the various lunch activities in different places do it different ways. And they have to learn order, that there's a timetable for things, there's a responsibility for following the rules, and for uh, going out with their friends and for getting along and sharing their toys or their educational pieces uh, so that they learn to get along with others. And that's one of the biggest things. And they learn to have a listening time and to listen, and they learn to ask questions. They learn to take a nap lots of times. And they learn to clean up after themselves. So there's a lot that a preschool teacher teaches that some parents don't have the patience to do. Sometimes parents just get really irritated when it has to be taught several times. But they're not adults. They're little children. And what might come easy for us may be more difficult for them. And so I think preschool teachers do a great job of teaching them their numbers and letters and counting and, and just, um, just the rhythms and the songs because those kinds of things stay with them for a lifetime. And, of course, the dances and things they do to the mm-hmm. sound of music I think is important too. You know, our deputy commissioner of pre-K says if you go into a classroom and it's quiet, it's probably not the best pre-K classroom. (laughs) You know, it's got to be a lot of activity, a lot of play, but playing to learn. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you've probably seen a little of that. I've seen (laughs) quite a bit of that. (laughs) Well, now, this was a big day, September 2017, and I think it was a bit of a surprise to you. Georgia College in Milledgeville 
opened the Sandra Dunnigan Deal Center for Early Language and Literacy. What does that mean to you? Well, it was a surprise. They asked me to pull the the cover off of the sign, and I was glad to do that, but I was there with Nathan, and I just thought it was uh, something they were giving me the honor of doing, just like sometimes they'll ask me to draw the number out of something when they're given awards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I thought I pulled the cover off, and I was just waiting for everybody to settle down. I never looked at the board. <laughs> I had no idea it was in my honor. I would, Because I was not a preschool teacher. I was not an early education teacher. I had taught sixth grade middle school. And it never occurred to me that they would name something like that for me. But I was pleased and honored that they did. Uh, mainly because both my mother and Nathan's mother were pre-early education teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, My mother always loved working with little children, and that's why I knew so much about them, because they were constantly in our home when I was growing up. And and mother demonstrated how you work with young children. And then she taught second grade for, I think, 25 years. Nathan's mother taught first grade for 40 years. And so the Dunnigan deal named both of them. Mm. And so as much as anything, it was an honor for them. Yeah, what a great tribute. And, Commissioner, you're very involved in that. We'll continue to be. Yes, I'm the chair of the board, so we will continue your legacy and and Governor Deal's legacy, and we're happy to have that as uh, very unique to Georgia. There's no other center like that in the nation. Um, So I hope we're going to do great things for teachers from birth to third grade. And it might not be there had you not accepted that first invitation to go and read. (laughs) Who knows? It might have gone in a completely different path. Mrs. Deal is also a graduate of Georgia College, so that makes it even more special. And my mother and Nathan's mother. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that part. They both went back to get their, you know, when they first started, they just had to do two years. Mm -hmm. And so they both had to go back and finish four years uh, to when they started requiring a four-year degree. Mm-hmm. And so both of them actually graduated from, from Georgia College. What a great tribute. Uh, so, I mean, it was a family affair. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Education pretty important in the deal, in the Dunnigan and Deal families. That's great that but you I do that. hear good things where when I've been to schools, uh, teachers will come up and say, I've been selected mm-hmm. uh, or I've put my, my uh, application in for a grant. And we're so excited, or I took training, or, you know, and and that's really exciting because I really have been so busy doing a lot of other things that I have not really been strongly involved like I should be with that uh, process. But I'm I'm delighted to have it there, and I'm I'm thrilled that you're heading up the board. Well, we're in the midst of a transition, obviously. Um, The deals are going to be moving out of this mansion, and uh, the Kemp family is moving in. I'm just wondering, what's your advice to Marty Kemp, our next First Lady? Well, I think it's going to be exciting for her to have the children living here with them some. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, one is already in college, and one will be going to college next year, and then one will still have two years of school. Um, so their children will be coming and going, but I think it'll be nice and exciting to have young people in the house. 
I always loved it when my grandchildren got to come, and they didn't get to come as frequently as I would have liked because of all their sports activities and and other activities. Everything's always busy. Mm-hmm. And so um, I told Marty, to, the house itself, the furnishings belong to the state. They are antiques, 200 years old. And if she's concerned about uh, having teenagers in some of the rooms and too many of them sitting on one bed, then um, maybe they may need to put some of the furniture in the attic and, uh, and use some basic furniture for the children while they're here because most people don't go to the family level. They just stay on the, you know, they keep the downstairs and the, and the basement level uh, for guests. Okay, I've used, I've taken more people upstairs probably than many people because I wanted them to see, but we had had worked really hard, uh, Mrs. Purdue, and then I worked to make sure the rooms and the furnishings looked nice upstairs and had redone some of the work in the bathrooms to bring them up to a standard that we thought was fitting with the rest of the mansion. And so... I thought it was nice to have those, but you have to be practical when you have children, and you want the children to enjoy being here. And so if that means making it simpler for them, then I believe you do that. Mm -hmm. And then when they leave, they can replace everything. It'll all be in the attic, and they can fix it so it'll take good care of itself and they can bring it right back down and put it together again for the next family. Right, yeah, great advice. And I know from taking the tour <laughs> with you before, there's a swimming pool here. Yes, there's there a is. There's a tennis court. Yes. And just, there's great stories, by the way, behind those. Yes, uh, and, there uh, are. some resistance of the governors at the time, but we have them here. That's so. right. And, you know, now we didn't play tennis, and I haven't been in the pool. <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit old to uh, be walking around outside in a bathing suit and so um you know that's not something we particularly enjoyed but our grandchildren did when they came and um but I think these young teenagers will enjoy all that and I think that's that's what this house should have is is a family and I'm I'm delighted to hear voices and you know, I may have to sneak in every once in a while just to hear the laughter. <laughs> this is great. It's been so good talking with you. Uh, we don't want to take any more of your time, but we did have one final question, and that is uh, you're leaving the governor's mansion and uh, Governor Deal leaving the governor's office on January the 14th. Um, for both of you, is this going to be retirement, or what are your plans at this point? Well, at this point in time, we are old enough past old enough to retire. (laughs) Uh, We have loved every minute. I can't say there have been bad moments. I mean, there really have not been a lot of bad moments other than sometimes when he had crises like like the hurricanes and the tornadoes and the ice storms. But most of the things that we've been able to do, we have thoroughly enjoyed. And I have loved having guests in the mansion and, and telling them about the mansion uh, reading to the children and and uh, and traveling the state and and doing economic development for the state um, and I feel like we've we've put every 
every ounce of our energy into trying to do what will help the state. Because we plan to live here. We don't plan to move away. And so we just want good leadership for this state. We want to be supportive, but we're ready to sort of take a break and rest. Well, in trying to pack up to move, it has... And try to keep on with the with the Christmas tours and the and having um, dinners and things at, in the evenings and special events. It's just been a lot for people our age to be able to maintain. Sure. And so I I need I need a few extra hours of sleep. I think you deserve it. I think you have earned it. And, Commissioner, I know it's going to be hard for us to not have Sandra Deal in the early Ed story, but what a contribution she's made. She has been. I've, I've said this to her before, and I've said it you know, in public, that she has definitely been a champion for Georgia's children. And we're going to miss her, but we're going to give her a little bit of break. And then we're going to call her back up because she actually gave me her phone number. Oh, I was going to say, do you have her I number have in it. your phone? I have it. I'm going to let her rest, though. Well, I've got to learn to drive before I can go anywhere. <laughs> I heard that was a big project on the list. That here is, because okay. we haven't driven in eight years. That's one of the rules here. And, and the traffic so has changed a little it bit. It has in, in the years. cars, the mechanisms in the cars, and they don't have use maps anymore. Right. They use other kinds of equipment that I don't know how to use, so <laughs> I'm going to have to go to school myself for a while and I've learn how to do things. I think you're going to be great. <laughs> so, well, thanks so much for spending this time with us, and we wish you guys nothing but the best um, as you enter into um, some more enjoyment of just each other and life together um, away from maybe the spotlight for a little while. Well, I think we... We'll enjoy that for a little while. I know we may get bored from time to time, but we have lots of friends we can visit. Maybe we can at least travel the country roads. I kind of want to see him start that country music career that uh, he alluded to at our foundation dinner this year. He's a pretty good singer. Well, I don't know that he'll sing, but he does have a lot of writing talent, Mm -hmm. so maybe he'll take some of that up. I think we need to kind of... Move him in that direction. Oh, I'll do my best. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank, Thank you. you very much. We do have this announcement from uh, Georgia's pre-K program to let you know about. DECAL will be releasing the 2019-2020 school year pre-K application for new and continuing providers on Wednesday, January the 2nd, 2019. It is due back to the DECAL offices on Friday, January the 25th, 2019. If you have questions, email pre-K at decal.ga.gov. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, my name is Megan McNail and I work in the pre-K division and my question for the commissioner is if you had a week off of work with no access to work devices and you could really relax, what would you do? Oh, goodness, that sounds like heaven on earth. Um, you I like would, the part about no devices. Yeah, no devices. <laughs> I would. I want to do that one day, actually. That's a goal of mine. Yeah. Uh, Megan, I think I would go to the beach. Any beach, I'm not picky. Um, that's kind of my happy place, um, and it would make it even happier if I didn't have any devices to check in at work because I know that I have all this these great team, team members back at Decal that would keep things running for me. So somewhere beach-related, short flight. I don't want to spend my time on an airplane um, would probably be where I'd choose. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.